Kat. And I'm Kurt, and you're listening to Cat and Kurt's TV Review. Welcome to episode 263. Every revolutionary has blood on his hands. This week we're discussing season 5, episode 21 of Angel, Power Play, and the finale of The Fades. As always, we suggest you watch the episodes before you listen to the podcast. Also, if you haven't done so already, you may want to listen to our first podcast to get an idea of our methodology. I wondered as you were reading that whether we should have changed it to uh, the um, penultimate episode of Angel here. Ooh. Which is kind of unbelievable. That's Mm -hmm. what this is. The big... The big setup before the finale, right? Um, Presumably. Presumably. I mean, we know that now, I guess. People (laughs) may not have known that when it was being written and conceived and made and everything. Yeah. Uh, Or maybe the audience knew by the time that it was transmitted, but maybe they didn't know while they were making it. The audience definitely knew by now because we we talked about that with, um, uh, oh, what? whatever episode it was like we 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 mentioned whichever ever i can't remember off the top of my head whichever episode it was where it was like this is the first episode after they knew Mm -hmm. that angel was canceled um but yeah i don't i mean in the production of it they wouldn't have known i would assume but i don't tv always has such a shorter production time Mm -hmm. so maybe it's possible by now i mean I would be surprised if at least by next episode they didn't know it sure. was going to be the final one for right. some least, obvious reasons. Or at least know that that's potential. Like, they probably know if things are under consideration so, with the network and everything. So Next week, in, when we talk about the finale, we will definitely talk about what might have been. Um, and But wasn't. So... Um, we should, we'll definitely go down that sort of speculative road mm-hmm. a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, cause there is, there is some, uh, information there. Yeah. But as for this episode, yeah. the penultimate one written, uh, by David Fury, by the way, um, as we've been noting as our final, uh, our last hurrahs by our various writers. Um, yeah. So, uh, mm-hmm. I, I mean, there's not really much to say other than that sure. he wrote it. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, obviously one of the one of the you know stalwarts of the Buffy verse mm-hmm. uh, throughout. Yep. Um, yep, and goes on to a lot of other things. Um, oh yeah. Yeah. Um. So. In terms of, I've, I've, not necessarily in a bad way, but I think this is definitely as the as the penult- penultimate episodes often are. It's a lot of setup for the finale, um, you know, and not in a way that I, as we were kind of outlining it, it was striking me like how little, I guess, plot there is in a sense that like it really is mm-hmm. mostly all about this one central angel question. There's no other like side plots and you know subplots going on it's really focused on one thing but not necessarily like it didn't feel slow or anything to me like I think the the intrigue of the angel question was sort of probably a good thing to focus on and there was like a lot of different angles that they could come at it um Mm -hmm. 
So, yeah, so it's... Yeah, but it it is a lot of kind of, like, standing around and trying talking, to figure stuff yeah, out, yeah. isn't it? It's a lot yeah. of talk, and which I don't think, again, it's to its credit, it, it doesn't necessarily feel like that when you're watching it, but when you actually sit down and look at what actually happens, it's like, oh, yeah, it mostly is just kind of standing around talking. Um, so... As I mean, we discussed this a little bit too, how to approach it as we have done in the past. I think the best way to do it is to kind of say up front kind of what the reveal is so that we can kind of talk through everything rather than pretend that we don't know what the... Right. This is why we tell you to watch the episodes first. Be coy <laughs> about the ending. So um, we definitely want to talk about, I guess, start with knowing up front that throughout this episode and potentially further back... Um, Angel has this second or has this ploy going on and, you know, has this kind of secret ulterior motive, which he's not shared with uh, our main crew um, in order to convince the senior partners. Like, how do you how do you trick omniscient beings? You know, maybe they're not omniscient, but they're at least highly powerful and have a lot of surveillance on Wolfram and Hart. So maybe sure. they can't see into the hearts and minds of their employees, but they can at least without tattooing yourself. Like right. Did, like, right? <laughs> yeah, not that they are incapable of doing that, but as far as we know, they don't have access to angels real like inner motivation. I mean, none of this could work if they had access to angels, true motivations. Um, sure. But they at least have like, and you know, an ungodly amount of intel on what they're all mm. up to. So the only way to convince them otherwise is if everybody else is convinced. Um, you know, which is a pretty bold move for Angel to make. You know, when Angel goes rogue and appears to go evil people tend to try to kill him. So, you know, there's a there's sure. a risk of, even though he's he's not pretending to go full Angelus, he's sort of, the pretense is that Angel himself is doing the kinds of things that Angelus would do. So even without losing his soul, he's sort of lost his soul. He's given up his, you know, his championship and his... Sure. his fighting the good fight um and, and going all for the power and the ruthlessness while none of the people in the episode would necessarily know like even any of his team or whatever like we as the audience members also know that like liam wasn't exactly you know that he didn't exactly have a heart of gold either right mm -hmm. like so there's even that idea of like, yeah, like what would like the drunkard, you know, Irish brat that he was originally, mm -hmm. you know, how would he sort of fare if he got power, right. you know, of some right. kind. So there is that sense of, right. yeah, it's not quite Angelus, but it's not like totally out of character for right. maybe who he is deep down inside if, right. you know, he sort of finally gets a taste of his own abilities and powers. Right. And there's always that, that suggestion that the, the, the soulless vampire has some relationship to um, the personality that it 
you know, and mm-hmm. habits and everything. They're not completely separate. Um, and I mean, I think the the scarier possibility is is that Angel, like you said, is capable of the kinds of things that Angelus does. It, it if anything, Angelus. Not that he's off the hook. I mean, he's pure evil, but he's a soulless demon. You know, whereas the idea that Angel would do the kinds of things willingly that um, the soulless demons do is the more disturbing thing. Um, Which, you know, we got a glimpse of at least a few episodes prior with the kind of ending with the Fell Brethren and everything. Um, That was kind of like the big questionable um turning point there um and actually i'm just realizing this now i don't know why this didn't hit me during the episode but um even the fact that he uh is in bed with nina in this episode if i had really been thinking about it <laughs> which apparently it didn't so it didn't i was occur gonna to ask me. you about that if it, if that it didn't, was a trigger it did not occur to me when i was watching it which kind of indicates that I, I i think i was waiting for the twist you know like i i didn't necessarily know what the twist was but i was sort of i wasn't ever convinced that this is angelus but um but you could you know, I think that's certainly meant to be now thinking about it in hindsight, that's meant to be a red herring there that like, what if he's, what if it's Angelus pretending to be angel? Like what if he's actually lost his soul and is kind of biding his time for, you know, when, before he can kind of like completely go crazy. Um, yeah. Which, yeah, that didn't occur. That didn't ever really feel like a possibility to me. And I'm not sure what that says about the episode like is that is that a flaw is that should crit ficking how seriously are you supposed to worry about that do you think that like uh uh-oh angelus is angel's happy i mean it's he's not really happy so i guess that's a little hard to believe but like are how seriously are we supposed to take the possibility that he's lost his soul and this is really angelus now who's sort of running the show yeah great question and i don't know yeah the answer to it um i don't know that they fully commit to that idea i feel like on the, on think, the one hand i don't think they really do on the one because... hand i feel like that's obviously the reason to have the scene of her with of of him with nina on, a, on, on the one hand, right, but on the other is, hand, they don't ever really, like, go full, like, try to trick you into thinking that either. No, they don't. And I think, because there's kind of the initial shock might even be too strong of a word, shock value of, like, seeing the hand kind of go over and you're like, oh, it's Nina. And, and you kind of, like, remember that they've been seeing each other, but aren't necessarily prepared for the fact that they've been sleeping together. Right. Um, so, but also, like, even when they're, like, they're in bed, I mean, one, like, I think when we've seen Angelus, like, we've always seen, yes, he sort of pretends he's Angel maybe once or twice, but, like, 
it doesn't last very long. Mm-hmm. Like Angelus is actually kind of bad at right. pretending to be Angel. Right. And right. So, like, it's, even, that, it's that lack of control that that really separates them. Or one of the yeah, things and that there's, separates there's, them. There's like a a sort of, you know, demonic playfulness to mm-hmm. him, you know, that like you just, you just don't get the sense of, you know, while still in bed, after apparently just having had sex, Angel is still sort of broody and right. unhappy, right? right? Like, it's like, you know, he's not completely happy. He just, she has managed to make him forget, you know, certain things for the moment. But that that's not happiness. And right? which is like, why I think it didn't occur to me to be, to be worried about his soul. Because it's like, yeah, he didn't seem particularly blissful in that moment like no you know not i mean and, not not in a rude way to to nina just like it didn't have that that quality that makes you concerned for his happiness you know and and so like like even when they're talking like he he's all like he kind of describes to her what we learn what we fully figure out later right of like I've spent years fighting to get somewhere to accomplish something. And now that I'm close to it, I don't like what I see or where I am. Like he's, he's kind of laying out right there. Like he's in the middle of like a plot that he can't quite reveal yet. And which, you know, is sort of, that's pillow talk, I guess. I don't, you know, I've never, I've never been in the middle of a big secretive plot, but that seems to be, a trope. Well, yes. <laughs> yes. And, and, um, and I mean, it happens again when he sends her away that like, you definitely right. get that well, it's, it's for her safety and not out of like callousness or whatever. And, and maybe, it, you know, the episode or the writer of the episode or whatever, um, there's a bit of confusion as to how, ahead of the plot we're supposed to be here um sure because yeah like if they really did want to convince me that it was either angelus or ain't just angel you know going to the dark side um nice pillow chats with nina aren't necessarily the way to do that and and i actually so i might be putting like my rosy colored glasses on rose colored glasses on to like give it more benefit of the doubt than it deserves a little bit. But like, I do feel like there's a certain amount of cognitive dissonance that they're trying to cultivate Mm -hmm. of like, yeah, we see him kind of acting in this one way, but then in these sort of private moments with Nina and, and maybe certain other signs there's, there's other things going on. Like, so, so like we're seeing him in a way that like the rest of the team doesn't see him, but he's clearly acting one way there and, and another way with her. And, and so I, I don't, it would be hard for me to think that that was all just a mistake because it, there is a sort of consistency with the way he treats Nina and, in, in like not quite revealing to her, but also like wanting to protect and take care of her mm-hmm. that I feel like 
if we were supposed to think this was Angelus, there would be more of a sort of ironic tone mm-hmm. to it, if, for lack of a better way of describing it. The because I feel like that's like that's the thing that when Angelus pretends to be Angel, the few times we get it, I mean, we don't have a ton of examples, but like the maybe a couple times that he does try, like there is this sense of irony. Like I don't get, I don't get Angelus saying I don't like the word hero, mm-hmm. right? Like. I get him saying like, oh yes, I am your hero. Mm-hmm. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you know, yeah. and and sort of, even if it's sort of like a throwaway, you know, ironic way, like, I, I don't know. That's the kind of thing that I would expect. Right. And so, so I do think that there's a sense in which the writers are trying to convey like, Angel is still Angel, but for some reason he's acting this way. Now, Right. You know, is this like the mob boss who's also a good father kind of thing? Like, right. you know, maybe there's that, maybe they're trying to convey that aspect to it. Right. And and I don't want to get into this too much now because we'll talk about the series and the season as a whole next week. Mm-hmm. But I will kind of go back to what maybe some of my I don't know, criticism might even be too strong of a word. Some of my comments about some of the early episodes of like how how we talked about how some of those early episodes of this season felt a little repetitive. Mm-hmm. And like it it seems like every week they're like dealing with, you know, the existential angst of working for Wolfram and Hart, mm-hmm. like over and over and over again. And I do feel like it's like suddenly we've crept up on this sudden new plot of Angel supposedly like having delved into this like deep, you know, deep state uh, plot where just like like a a week ago he was like that he's engaged in killing his own clients or, you know, whatever, like. I, maybe there's a little bit more to it than that. Cause like we say, there's the fell brethren stuff, but I almost do wonder if like, like if I were to guess, and I, I don't know the answer. Like I, I'm not retracting anything I said earlier about when they may or may not have known. Cause I, I don't know off the top of my head if they knew by this episode, but if I were to guess, I would guess that they, the writers knew by this episode that they only had like this one and one more left and that they found out recently (laughs) that that was the case. And so like the entire thing with like the circle of the black thorn and like this whole like plot of angel infiltrating that circle is kind of sudden. Yeah. Yeah. There's no, yeah. Can use some room to breathe? Every other season with the every other season of Angel and Buffy, I would say, with the exception of maybe the first season, which was like the master, a bunch of stuff in the middle, and then the master at the end again. Like other than that first season of Buffy, every other season has had kind of its fake out big bad. Mm. And then like around mid season or slightly after you start they start developing the plot for the final season or the for the final you know for the finale of the season and and kind of 
building up the big bad and and by then you're usually have you he's he or she has been introduced mm-hmm. and maybe maybe season uh five of buffy is it five with glory is like maybe the only one because she's kind of there right from the beginning right but like that's maybe the exception right. and like here it's like wait all of a sudden like if the circle well and i maybe the circle of the thorn isn't actually the big bad but like that's kind of what it seems like mm. it's shaping up to be right? right like right like you would have expected to have met the senator and um and is he is yeah. that the racquetball guy um, yeah, well, we did meet him once before, and there was an allusion to Brack. Yes, because remember, it was, um, uh, uh, I forget which episode it was, but it's like, you know, Angel says something like, I don't work with devils or demons or whatever, oh, and then like, and you turn around and he's there. Okay, I like, do, I remember that joke. I don't, re- I didn't remember that I, that was I him. Trying to rem- I tried to remember what oh, episode I like, it was. I like the same, similar kind of joke here where he, his like, um... Eyes wide shut, creepy mask is like a devil with horns, and he takes off the mask, and <laughs> he's a devil off. with horns underneath. Yeah. That's good, right? Um, right. So, and that, like, I, I mean, and, and again, I do like the 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 visual of Angel playing racquetball to schmooze with like a yeah. literal red demon with horns, well, like it. Well, and that mention of racquetball is made when we see him before, too. It's like, okay. oh, are we still on for racquetball right, later right, or something? Right. like? Right, which then kind of suggests that, in theory, this this theater, this ploy has been going on for a lot longer than we've known about it. But, yeah, like, we don't really but get any like hint of it. Sure. Yes. And it's, like, rushed retcon. It's not even... It's not terrible retcon. Right. I've seen terrible, right, but retcon. it's not fantastic. But it's not either. It's not like Tolkien level retcon. Right, right, right. We're suddenly like, right, like, oh, all these things that didn't make sense before now suddenly sort of click into place. It doesn't achieve that level. Um, oh, it's uh, it well. So here's another callback. It's the Cordy episode. Okay. When we say that, when 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 he's kind of giving her the tour and okay. she's kind of like, not. Fully, she's right. not exactly criticizing right. him for working. She's a, a little her, uncomfortable, but, yeah. But he's like, yeah. Oh, you know, whatever. And then, like, you turn around and there. Well, and so I wanted to talk about that as well because that's another potential origin point for this sort of storyline. Um, and sure. again, another one where whether it's because I am thick and didn't, you know, fully think about the consequences of what was happening or because I wasn't supposed to and they retconned it in later. Either way, um, I definitely did not consider um, that she would be passing on the visions, which I, I probably should have. That that one's probably on me. So I'll give the writers that. That like, yes, when... His, right, that's how you do it. Historically, you kept, right? this is how it happens. And so... And we were reminded of um, of that in that episode, like seeing old footage um, from like the I first mean, season and everything. So, but in in that initial, so the kiss between Doyle and Cordy, mm-hmm. though, it's like there's this like magical light right. transfer, right? You know, right. Thing, so, so again, they're not like with the Angelus thing. I feel like it's there if you 
are really thinking hard about the clues, but they're not necessarily going out of their way to um, make sure that you get the inference, which is, I'm fine with. Like, it's, it's you know, great that they're not necessarily expecting to hold your hand as a viewer. Like, they kind of, it rewards, like, really careful um, reading and kind of looking for every possible meaning of the thing that you're seeing. So the fact that I didn't necessarily predict it is not a, a bad thing. Um, but, and but like, yeah, I mean, if I don't know either that even if, I mean, that might've been them kind of deliberately setting up Angel getting the visions, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they had worked out this entire sort of end game of his sort of infiltration of the circle of the Blackthorn either. And, and I'll just reiterate that that this is all my guess. Yeah, yeah. So like it it's totally possible that they had planned that from the beginning and that maybe it's supposed to be kind of abrupt and a surprise and feel a little sure. strange. No, I mean I could definitely I, see I wouldn't bet I wouldn't bet all my money I on that. I could see <laughs> this being a whole season if they wanted it to be of right how do we get to the circle of the blood that's a season well, if they if they if they had the time and wanted to do that there's potential there so there could be like, a, an acceleration of like hey quick we gotta like put the gas on this thing and right like because it, it does almost feel like yeah if you were to introduce the concept of there being this circle of the black thorn like you would introduce it in the last episode or two right. of the season and then right. next season right that's our like, goal yeah or yeah. or even or even i could see it like if we were to backtrack it like if if this was the place where they were planning to end up all along mm -hmm. i feel like there would be a little more of a bad wolf type of thing mm -hmm. going on right of like Right, we could running across this symbol, and maybe like for several episodes, they don't know what it means or what it what's happening with it, and you know, like right. I could see like Wesley like pouring over it for like you know a few episodes, and then getting distracted, and Fred dies, and then he comes back to it, and right. you know, or something happens, and they get reminded of it, like, but like even even that, just like the concept of this circle of the black thorn, it like comes out of nowhere. Right. So right. to me, that that's part of what makes it feel kind of yeah, sudden. rushed yeah. or, or yeah. 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 Um, I mean, and, and then that even kind of creates different things because one thing that's kind of interesting about this episode that I feel like you wouldn't achieve if you, kind of took your time with it and really like played it out over time is some of the what you know what's jarring about seeing angel do these things like the fact that like we go straight into racquetball with the demons and stuff like yeah we kind of got the ref like that was a joke reference to it earlier but kind of if if anything works about it it is sort of the suddenness of um you know, I don't know, like we go from pretty much overnight, he's caring about Buffy and seeming like his normal 
broody but good self and then it's into like relationships with clients we didn't even know that he had um right. and so there there i don't know that that's the most elegant storytelling ever but there is something kind of effectively surprising about it you know that kind of makes you wonder like what the heck is going on um whereas i feel like if they really wanted to do it over a season and, like took their time with it we would be very much more like with angel's point of view it would be like a gradual like let's watch him kind of figure out how to maneuver and ease his way in slowly and kind of um, maybe not. I mean, maybe there's a way to do it where for a half a season you think Angel is actually being corrupted. Um, and maybe that's what they would have done. I don't know. Um, but I feel like because it's almost so short, they get away with like confusing you a little bit more. Sure. Um, so we also wanted to bring up the question of Fred and Illyria, because that's another suggestion is um, to what extent do we include, even if it's a retcon plot, do we include right. that in the retcon that this was one of the compromises and, and there's a reference to a sacrifice that has to be made. Um, and do we see that as sort of deliberate, especially because Fred dies after the Cordy um, exit, right? Mm -hmm. So he has the visions by then. Yeah, so, and I guess the question becomes in all of this, how much, how much is Angel retconning himself? Like in, in you know, diegetic retcon, if you want to call it that, like, I find it hard to believe. I mean, Drogon seems to think it's true. And we know Drogon can't lie, right? Like, like this is the... This is the part where, like, having Drogon be the one to, like, mm -hmm. do the exposition really matters, right? Is it, Like, that earlier stuff is just like, eh. Yeah. Like, it, did it really matter if it was him? Like, this is the part right. where it's like, right. you need someone trustworthy. Right, because, right. When Gunn says you're the liar Aragorn and you're thinking like, but he can't lie is the thing. Right. 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 And you know, Wesley of course is the one who knows all about him. Um, but of course, I feel like we've brought this up before just because like, if he sincerely believes it, does that make it a lie? Like exactly. the truth from his and, point of view, the truth is he believes it to be. And so, right. And that's kind of where I'm going with this is because like, if Angel was able to convince Drogon of, you know, his treachery and that he maybe somehow had a hand in releasing Illyria, but didn't actually, like, like, is he just, is this just Angel saying, well, like, this thing happened and I might as well use it as a way to get into the Blackthorn and make everyone think right. that I actually did do it when in fact I did. Right. And which is essentially what he says later, right? Of like, if Fred dies, then let's make the death mean something. Let's actually, sure. you know. Right. Without addressing the specific case. Right. He doesn't actually say 
yes or no to that. But the implication is that he's using the death, not that he specifically caused it. But to your to your point, you know, Fred and Illyria, that stuff happened after he presumably has these visions. So we we know that he makes the decision not to like mm-hmm. pull Illyria back into her coffin. So like is that is there vision stuff going on there? Is potentially potentially at least. I mean, yeah, and like we're not going to get the straight answer to any of that, yeah. but like, like you could at least you could make a consistent case for that being tied into his visions that he's having. That mm-hmm. not only is it maybe true that like lots of people would get hurt or killed if if they tried to like claw Illyria back into her coffin, but also like that maybe there's some use to come mm-hmm. of her. Mm-hmm you know being being out and about right right yeah and even in in the exposition that drogan gives there's a lot of like half truths and like well they're true when you kind of spin it a certain way you know they're not outright lies you know it's like yes angel did send the demon assassin assassins um like that does seem to be true and um when he says something about you know he was afraid that they would find something incriminating in the deeper well like yeah he you could read even just his decision not to stop Illyria as in the incriminating thing um and then he he references uh a sacrifice he wanted a sacrifice make well like drogan is sacrificed in this episode sure. so like i feel like there's a lot of things that like those are true they're not necessarily true in the way that drogan means or believes them to be but there's you know there's enough truth there to mislead drogan which then kind of makes you you know question everything else about what is angel sort of leading him to believe Is is Drogon sacrificed? Because we learned that he has eternal youth. Is he immortal or is he not? Well, I don't know. I mean, he seemed dead at the end of the episode, but sure. I I guess that remains to be seen. Because that's definitely a question for me is, um, you know, like potentially killing Drogon if that's what happens is maybe the not the only questionable decision or or compromise that angel has made but like the big the big no-no you know like everything else he's been it's it's like half truths and and a bit misleading and he's subterfuge and all that kind of thing but that's the one thing that he actively does that you if that if that's really what happened you can't really find a way to sugarcoat that or explain it away like you know and again with the with the jarring imagery of we're seeing angel both at his most you know i don't know his normal self his most kind of broody and sensitive with nina like acting like as normal as possible for angel and then you're also seeing in the first scene him going vamp and 
biting and killing somebody. So again, it's like, it, it, they don't really try to make you think it's Angelus doing that. It's definitely Angel. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, if he kills Drogon, then that's a thing that Angel did. And I don't know. It seemed like that was his implication when he talks about him at the end, when he says, um, uh, I needed somebody like as pure as Drogon to believe it. And there's a, the way it's played is with this kind of sadness, like, like he was sorry he had to do that to a good and pure person. But maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he pops up again next week. I don't know. Maybe. Um. Okay. Anything else in terms of like clues or lack of clues or, um, you know, kind of setup for Angel's whole scenario here? No, I mean, I think we covered most of them. Um, yeah, I mean, it is always, like, knowing, and and I was watching this time. <laughs> um, I mean, and not necessarily for his first time, although maybe not as carefully previously, like, knowing kind of how late this whole setup of the Blackthorn comes, like, it definitely is... It, it's something that you can't not watch for mm. leading up to it mm -hmm. like now you know what i mean like now that you know kind of like and obviously there's still another episode to go so like again i don't want to like give away any spoilers or anything but like the blackthorn is obviously like the thing that he's trying to do the thing that he's trying to infiltrate and that he sees as like the big you know outside of like the senior partners who are like in a different dimension right you know, he says that these are the people who are the creatures that make things happen. Right. So like, and that that was definitely surprising to me was, I mean, we were kind of, you know, the, the, the lead up all season has been to the apocalypse, not just an apocalypse, but like the big apocalypse. So mm -hmm. it definitely took me by surprise that, um, by the end of this episode, our sort of war cry is not against the senior partners per se, but about like their earthly representatives who, as you said, we haven't even heard about. So that's sort of surprising on the one hand, but even just beyond that, like the fact that like all of this is leading up to not the takedown of the big, like the real big bad that we know of, but like kind of stealing themselves for this hopeless fight against their lesser lieutenants, um, which is an interesting setup. Like there's no suggestion that they're taking down the senior partners here um, right. or that they would even know how to begin to do that. Like that's just not even on the table as a consideration. Um, but maybe we can slightly annoy and delay the progress of their earthly counterparts. Like, that's the level of disrupt well, we're shooting for. And I'm not saying that, like, to discount it. Like, I think it's cool that, like, 
even that sounds like an almost impossible like to achieve that would be like you know a mighty feat for them and they're kind of ready for it please correct me if i'm misunderstanding what you're saying but um like i don't necessarily think that we should think of the senior partners as the ones perpetrating the apocalypse either no um no i wasn't meaning that necessarily so when i say that i was more kind of waiting for the when i think apocalypse i think the kind of especially when they talk about it as like the apocalypse i'm waiting for the kind of biblical fight of the powers right like like hell on earth right and and that's what i feel like we're subverting here whereas it sounds to me like they're stealing themselves for a you know long defeat against not even the hell powers on earth but just like their their foot soldiers you know like the their their representatives on the ground um and that they're making that out to be like the insurmountable finale um which it is i mean this is the finale this is this i mean i know there's spin-offs it's two, and continuations right. it's basically a two-part but like right that, finale. what i'm hearing yeah. is that there's not going to be a confrontation with the senior partners per se um there's going to be hopefully some sort of a confrontation with the circle of the black thorn but that angel doesn't even really expect to defeat them that it's like you know we can we can momentarily stop their progress that's what we can do um and that that's like the that's the and, and that that is made out to be like a huge mighty achievement that they could accomplish I will say that the long defeat reference isn't wholly without merit either. Like, I think we've seen that actually through quite a bit of Angel of like, and even Buffy, that there's this sort of idea that like, there really is no end to the evil, right? Like, evil keeps happening and you just have to keep stepping up to it. Or someone does, you know, anyway. Yeah. Um, and trying to do it without being killed or corrupted or losing the faith, so to speak, uh, mm-hmm. you know, is is the real trick. Right. And so on that, before we kind of get into, like, the rest of the plot with the other characters and stuff here, um, I think that the, the other... I, I don't know what to think about this until the season's over, really, but... Um, when you're kind of talking about the lack of a big bad this season and the kind of repetitiveness of, you know, their existential crisis about working at Wolfram and Hart, then that makes me wonder, like, is, is there really a big bad this season? I mean, I guess the circle of the Blackthorn is kind of being presented as one at the end, but like, if they're just kind of almost a MacGuffin at the end, like a thing that we have to fight against so that we can kind of have a battle. Like, then I kind of want to look back at, all right, what are they struggling with every episode? And is that the real, you know, antagonist, like their own 
their own willingness to work at Wolfram and Hart is yeah. like, that's the real like thing that we have to overcome here. Um, have we, have we swung from physical manifestation of metaphor to pure metaphor now? Sure. Like, <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, maybe that's what I'm saying. Like, right. Like there's no, there is no physical representative of the thing they're struggling with. They're just struggling from episode to episode on, on a quite almost literal basis. Like they argue about it all the time. Um, right. Like it's hardly even metaphor if they're talking about it constantly. Right. The, sub <laughs> the subtext has become text. If they're just talking about gray areas, like in every episode, then like you do start to kind of go like, well, maybe like that's your enemy. Um, or like, it sounds like kind of cliche, but like they are the enemy. Like, the enemy is their right, own. We found the enemy and their own, he is us. And not like in a they're the same as the bad guys kind of way, but like even just I feel like the entire season is just um I don't know, fallout from the decision to work for Wolfram and Hart. And like every episode is it just a different angle on that decision yeah. and a different angle on that question. Um Sure. So even though they're fighting external bad guys, I expect there to be some reckoning with that question in the finale. Because um, otherwise I feel like it, it's just kind of scapegoating the like, okay, we're, we're going to not deal with our problems by beating up some bad guys. Like maybe we should go up. I'm, I'm just saying maybe we should go full circle and like, have the metaphor become a monster again? Like, in the defeat of the monster, I I wonder if there will be some reckoning with the metaphor there of their own sort of culpability in what's going on. Hmm. Right. I don't know. I'm wondering. Um. Okay. Well, now that we got through like one bullet point. We have point, about 15 minutes left. <laughs> no, we're good. This isn't going to take too long. Um, I kind of, all right. I do want to kind of briefly, I, I think they kind of have the same points throughout the episode. So it shouldn't be too complicated, but we should like at least check in with the other characters, like the mistrust of Angel and kind of how they each individually react to that. And the kind of first confrontation, which is sort of about, testing the waters and seeing how Angel reacts to them. Um, it definitely strikes me that uh, Gunn and Lorne are more reluctant to believe that Angel could have been corrupted. Whereas Wesley, of course, is <laughs> more, he's not like, convinced Wesley, right away. the one who betrays everybody the one the betrayer of course is is the most worried about the betrayal which you know is you know that's kind of how it works um well and and so i'll also point out that actually spike is pretty spike is surprisingly um supportive steadfast here yeah 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 of like and it's more about his own ability to sense what might be yeah going on like he seems confident that if 
Angel were really angelus or doing something nefarious that he would be able to sense it. And then, like, yeah. he's kind of wrong about that. So I guess we can, you know, like, because then Drogon shows up and is like, Angel tried to kill me. And right, right. Spike didn't sense that. but um, Well, but Angel isn't really up to anything nefarious necessarily. So maybe he's right on. Except that he does actually kill Drogon, Well, right? yes. Well, or at least maybe think he does. Probably. Like, like he seemed pretty 87% dead. probability that yeah. Drogon is dead. Yeah. Um, right. Well, and there's also Lauren, his readings don't seem to be able to get through. You know, he seems pretty convinced by... Um, Lauren's, Lauren's been uh, pretty faulty with his readings over the last season or two, I think. He's uh Yeah, maybe he's just out of practice. Maybe like, like been Yeah, Caritas like like without something about Caritas is like you know his senses are not as sharp as they used to be. Um but yeah, no, I definitely I definitely picked up on Spike. Yeah, and I think Spike's thing is more not that he is incapable of this stuff. It's just that I don't believe that's what's going on right now. Um So, yeah, and then I guess in the first confrontation, um, you know, I think it more is about, like, testing him out a little bit. The only line that really jumped out to me was his kind of little speech to to Lauren, actually, about uh, he was, like, the only one who really understood, you know, because he doesn't. He doesn't judge. He doesn't spend his life obsessed with good and evil. Um, none of it makes a difference. And Lauren's, whoa, can I not be the poster child for your nervous breakdown? Um, mm-hmm. Which I think is, again, I think there's truth in there and that Lauren isn't judgmental. Um, and I guess in the past he has been sort of neutral or agnostic in terms of some of the, the decisions and the characters of the people that he's read for and everything. Um, But on the other hand, that's obviously a mischaracterization, right? Like who's the more, you know, I guess if you see sort of compassion and empathy as a virtue and a good thing, a force for good, who's more those things than Lauren? Um, Like, I don't think it's true that he's just, um, Completely amoral, I guess, is what I'm saying. Right. Um, okay, anything else in that first confrontation? I think it's mostly just about kind of testing out Angel's limits and everything. Um, yeah, it's just sort of trying to figure out where he's at. Yeah. Um, and then he kicks them out of their... his kind of secret meeting with Marcus um, who then goes and attacks Illyria and kidnaps Drogon, which we kind of covered the Drogon stuff. Um, maybe just to point out the cute little uh, odd couple friendship that Drogon and Illyria have, um, you know, hanging right. out, playing video games and um, <laughs> Drogon getting the sense that 
it, it's it's a quest. Like it's it's, oh, it's a quest of some kind. Right, right. You you have to complete the series of tasks, and like yeah, there is something kind of um Tolkien esque and Dungeons and Dragons about him a little bit. So that's kind of funny. Um, and Illyria, you know, just completely bemused by the whole thing. Um, well, and it, it's also like the, you know, jailer and inmate, you know, becoming friends too kind yeah. of idea, right? Yeah. Like, the... yeah. Um, although somewhat relationship flipped, right? Like he's the jailer originally, but then here she's sort of charged with his safekeeping. Um, sure. I mean, she's not. Although she's not, it's a not jailer, exactly really, like but... jailer, but yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um. I, yeah, I wasn't even really thinking about that, but I guess, yeah, that could be. Yeah. I can see it that way. And, yeah, she gets the snot kicked out of her. Um, so. Yeah, Mar so Marcus is pretty tough, I guess. Marcus is pretty tough. I mean, it's hard to say how much of it is Marcus' super strength and how much of it is the loss of Illyria's power. I mean, certainly Marcus has super strength. Some of these. Because. Like, he couldn't do that. Like, not just anybody could could defeat her the way that he does. Um, right. Right, because she's still pretty strong. Right, Like, right. You know. Right. No, but he, she like... She beats up that demon pretty good. Yes. Um, And it seems like she can still kind of kick Spike around if she wanted to. But, like, yeah. Right. Um, no, she definitely gets her... Uh, gets a good beating out of that. Um, yeah, so interested to see where we leave her, like what happens with her in the finale, because she's not included in this whole, um, truth telling session at the end either. So what she's going to make of all this and what they decide to tell her kind of remains to be seen, I think. Um, sure. And she is still a demon and maybe isn't wholly healed of her lust for power. Sure. <laughs> right? Right. Um, and especially after getting beat so handily. Like, right. we don't see her at all after that, mm -mm. right? So, no. yeah, it's hard to say, like, where her head's going to be, maybe, mm -hmm. as things pan out. Right. And as she says, Wes and I are no longer having intercourse. So she's like... <laughs> on the right. on the outs with him like that was her her real channel of communication to the group and to the the human world um so yeah where what exactly she will decide and who she will side with is i think an open question um okay lindsay comes up he tells a bunch of exposition it's all Circle of the Black Thorn stuff. Right. Of course, Lindsay, like, tried to get in and didn't. Um, yeah, right. Obviously. Obviously. Um, yeah, like the kind of loser that he is. Um, yeah, and then, all right, so then the final confrontation and, and the spell that Angel puts on the room. So, I mean, I think we talked about a lot of it. Um Any other points to make? I mean, I was kind of interested in... They kind of go around the room in order, but the, the order of 
hand raising was interesting to me to kind of, you know, kind of see who's the first to kind of be all in. Um, I don't know that I even remember the order. Uh, I think it's. Did you I think, put I think it? No, did you put it down? It, I did. Spike goes first, which again serves your point about yeah. him being surprisingly, you know, uh, loyal these last few episodes. Yeah. Well. So. Or just ready. Lo- loyalty, I mean, sure, but also like ready for anything. He's also the new champion, right? Like sure. The newest champion, I should say. Like I don't mean new as in like replacing Angel, but like. Right. We we saw like he wore the amulet and like right. with Buffy and and he's also always up for a fight right like he's the one saying to Illyria, hey you want to go out and hit things like right. Right. you know so, I, like I almost not that I don't think that he's agreeing and supporting Angel because I do think there is an aspect of that but but I think it's also just like Spike spoiling for a fight mm-hmm. in a way yeah um, yeah like more than necessarily or at least in addition to you know the supporting angle yeah yeah no and i i think there is a part of spike that is just ready to sign up for any fight just for the sake of it but also i think we saw early in this season that he wasn't necessarily looking to sacrifice himself for wolfram and heart and for angel's team so that is a that's a shift i think in his um, sense of and, and I think the champion thing is a lot to do with that like here's a way for him to kind of feel like he has a place and a purpose um, beyond right. just going to get in fights for the sake of them um, so yeah um, you know yeah, so and, and, then it, and then it goes around the room uh, Wesley uh, and then to Gunn and then to Lauren, who the first time I didn't even think Lauren raised his hand. I thought it cut away. And then the second time I watched it, it seemed like he's sort of in the act of raising his hand when the when the glamour kind of flips in the camera. So it's just that he's kind of the last one to do oh, it. Oh right, because then we then we see Hamilton from the outside. And then we see like watching. what Hamilton is seeing. Yeah. Um so yeah, and I mean, I think the I don't think any of the hand raising is shocking necessarily. Um, I was just kind of looking like, oh, I wonder like who's going to be the first one in. Um. Yeah. So. Um. Apart from Illyria, who so, uh, does not get a vote, um, everybody is all in, um. And. That's where we are. Yeah. And the glamour is about to wear off. So. Right. With Marcus watching. Right. Right. And I mean, you can't, you can't say obviously, but I think you're left with that cliffhanger of how suspicious do we think Marcus's facial expression is supposed to be, you know, like. Sure. Like. Does he wonder, like, is there any bit of him that's picking up on something fishy or is it just um, his own curiosity that has him sort of watching, you know, or is he watching the glass with like relish, like, like, oh, look, angels at, you know, they're at each other's throats exactly like I wanted. I don't know. He has a very, 
unreadable expression. Or can he tell that there's a glamour? Or can he tell, yeah, yeah. Is is the idea of, you know, fooling, because we don't actually know, I mean, other than his sort of super strength, we don't know what other powers he might have. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, obviously, a deliberately um, intriguing and unreadable expression, so... He's yeah. the kind of wild card. Like, you know, I think whatever Marcus thinks is going on, he will act on, you know, pretty quickly. So. Yep. Well, I guess we'll see. Find Next out week. in the finale. Yeah. Um, speaking of finale. Mm-hmm. The Fades finale. Speaking of cliffhangers. <laughs> the fades has a few it has a couple one or two well wow. it's sort of one big cliffhanger that well, encompasses yeah, all like the little ones all of all of the still living uh, characters are hanging from cliffs mm-hmm. at this point um, yeah speaking of all of the still living characters I wanted to kind of run through and I think we can do this fairly quickly but um, I wanted to kind of run through the secondary characters because we've mentioned before that there's a lot of them, especially for the fact that this is a six episode season and series. Mm-hmm. Like there's kind of a lot of, you know, extras here. Well, I not technically extras. They're secondary characters. That, yeah. Um, yeah. So um, first we get uh, mom, Anna and Jay all hiding at home uh sort of scared and wondering what's happening and where you know Paul is and all of that um of course the fades start to show up and menace them mm-hmm. uh and um they're not the ones that actually get inside though right it's neil <laughs> right who uh who kidnaps them uh and uh ties mom up or like tapes her mm-hmm. you know with duct tape and uh apparently takes both anna and jay um gets a picture and sends it to paul in the meantime uh to sort of entice him out and sticks anna and mac whom he has already kidnapped mm-hmm. in a shipping container off somewhere mm-hmm. Um, and then takes Jay to as bait for for Paul. Right. Um. A little bit later, Mom is found by DCI Armstrong, who's looking for Mac, and bursts in. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that's the last. No, then we see them one more time. Right. Later, when Jay dies. Right. Right. Um, and we find Jay. And then that's kind of it for them. Mm-hmm. We don't see them again. Mm-hmm. Um, so, the, yeah, like, eh, you know, Mom and Papa Mac are off uh, somewhere together, I guess. Yeah. Um, and so we get the stuff with Mac and Anna in the container, which is nice. They have some heart-to-heart mm-hmm. moments of, you know, do you remember the first time I saw you kind of stuff? And uh, 
Mac continuing to be both a teenage boy, but also kind of endearing at times mm-hmm. um, in his um, repeated amorous attempts to, uh, you know, court, I guess. Anna, mm-hmm. is that the right word? Is sure. court the right word? <laughs> um, it's probably the word that he would use. Sure. Um, uh, well, and it's also like, I mean, I don't for a second believe it's not like sincere in his own way, but there's also like just the value of distraction, right? Like all the kind of silly banter is also about like, let's not think about the fades that are trying to get into the shed and, you know, lurking just outside and everything. How stupid are they to call out? (laughs) We're in here. A little and I mean, stupid. A little to stupid. their credit, they realize how stupid it is. Right, right pretty right? quickly. But like, yeah. But like, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the the I mean, I I don't. We don't need to run through all of their stuff. But yeah, like his jokes go back and forth between like being jealous that Paul gets to see Anna in her underwear to you know I've loved you since I was ten. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, sure, why not? Um, I mean, the, that's all fine. And like, you know, you know, his, his description of like how he and Paul used to like play superheroes, right. Who were kind of modeled on Mm -hmm. their fathers or what they imagined their fathers were doing Mm -hmm. or being, um, you know, it's kind of interesting you know, and that, and like, especially with his comments about like, oh, you know, we kind of made up these superheroes to take place of our fathers who aren't here, and now Paul's really a superhero, and it's like, oh, well, where is he? Well, of course, he's not here, sure. right? So there's that um, idea there, too. Mm-hmm. Um, but Paul is not just not there, like, he's off doing stuff to try to save them. Right, doing the superhero thing to, right, save uh, the world. Um, Yeah, and there's also, like, that also reminds me of the conversation that Mac has with, it's hardly a conversation, but, like, the banter that Mac um, has with Neil about when I was 12 and I read the Bible, I thought I was the second coming. Um, You know, and his kind of... Uh, lonely, complicated relationship with my father, big love of carpentry. It just made sense. So like, yeah, this kind right. of like grandiose ideas that he had as a kid and everything. Um, yeah. But yeah, like Paul is, is unavailable, but also like he is doing the literal superhero thing of right out fighting the bad guys and trying to save the world. Um, so yeah. So that's Mac and Anna having some quality alone time. Um, and then there's Mark and Sarah initially. And then, whoa, whoops, Mark and Vicky are in yeah, the car together yeah, leaving town. Yeah. Um, so, I, yeah, I, I guess he's over Sarah now? Yeah, that definitely surprised me. Like, I remember feeling, um, I, like, I remember the fact that, like, Mac is less involved in in the kind of ending and being a little disappointed in that, like with kind of how good the character is, you kind of wish like he had a little bit more actively to do in the end. Um, 
but several characters are like that. sure um but i didn't remember what the ending was for mark from having watched this before um so that one was more of a like oh reminder that um yeah it kind of goes from he's with sarah and things aren't great like she tries to kill him right like it it's not like it's sure. all rosy and and sunshine and ideal in a, a you know disturbed psycho psychological you know right fade all right she is a fade after all so it's re not re like recorporealized fade right so it's not like it's her fault necessarily but like I, like there's, I, there's urges that she needs to set right I get that there's like bumps in the road. <laughs> But it seems like a bit sudden to go from... Every relationship has its problems. Like, I feel like, it not it literally like he ends the scene with her saying, whatever it is, we'll go through together. And then, like, the next time we see him, he's getting into a car he's with Vicky. getting in a car with Vicky, yeah. <laughs> and, like, um, and then, thanks for coming for me. And where are we going as far away from this town as it's possible to be? And it's like, yeah, I feel like there's a scene missing. Um, right, and that I I feel like genuinely they're probably well. There's a whole series missing after. Well, that yeah, episode. but but yeah. but I feel like there literally <laughs> is like we we must have missed something because um there yeah it, it's just a jarring um transition so I'd forgotten sure. that so that one like in some ways that one rankled more just because I forgot about it. Um, whereas the other, like Paul's family, I was a little more prepared for re remembering being a bit underwhelmed with, uh, what happens to them mm. in the last episode. Right. Sure. Um, and I think, you know, I think in six episodes or whatever, it, it's a fairly Paul centric story. It's not like it's. I mean, he's clearly the main character. Like, there's no suggestion that it's not about Paul. But at the same time, I do feel like there were, you know, active decisions and storylines held by the other characters. I never necessarily felt like Paul was the only one that mattered. Um, so I think it does kind of disappoint a bit when his sort of friends are kind of just victims in the final episode. Yeah. 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 Right. So like, yeah, literally, I mean, they all are. So like, yeah. you know, uh, Mac spends the entire, almost the entire episode in either the trunk of a car or a shipping container. Right. Right, I think we only see him out of it like for like thirty seconds at one point. Yeah, um, Anna is kidnapped and put in the shipping container with him. Mm -hmm. The mother is taped up, and Jay is bait until she gets shot in the head. Mm -hmm. So, like, yeah, there's literally no real. Right. Agency, agency for any yeah, of them yeah. <laughs> right and it's one of those things of well 
if it kept going, you would like to have think you would like to think that those things would be course corrected. Like, you know, you would have further episodes in which to. It, it, it sucks that this is the last time we see them. Like, this is the note yeah. we leave them on, which is whereas if that had been renewed, it would not necessarily be the case. But again, it's like to what extent do you have to treat every finale like it could potentially be your last? Like leaving not that the characters always have to do the right thing necessarily or or make the right decision, but at least kind of leaving things on the note you want them to be on. Like, mm. and do we really want all of our supporting characters uh, kind of left without any agency or choice in, in, in the last episode? That's a, well, not a great way to leave things. And it's just like, because there's so many different ways you could do it. One, like, you get the sense through the rest of the, uh, well, the other five episodes anyways, that, like, Jay isn't exactly the passive type mm -hmm. either. So, like, but she there's no struggle. There's no, like, she like, this episode, she just kind of, when they're in the house together, she just kind of like stares and is looking at things and like looks outside and sees the fades and gets scared. And I mean, I guess that's fine. Like on the one hand, like, okay, it's there. It's scary to see like, you know, dead people come up and eat other people and stuff mm -hmm. like, and come after you. Like that's fine, I guess. But like, I don't know. I just, I feel like there should have, been more struggle mm -hmm. from her at least like even if she did again end up dying or whatever like it's just nothing mm -hmm. and that's the thing like that kind of I think bothers me most about her in particular right. it's just there's just no attempt at any where right. where she seems somewhat assertive at least in other episodes I don't do we even get any lines from her this episode I don't think she says one single thing. I don't think she says anything either. Oh, no. Uh, other than when she sees the fades. Doesn't she say something like they're here or they're outside or something? Sure. Like, right. Like, right. Uh, yeah, like something very right. nominal. Right. Not, not at all, right. you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I'm not even 100% positive that that's correct. No. I didn't write anything probably, down, but I think... Right. I think she does say something at that point that's just very basic. Right. Um, Which, I I mean, maybe this is wishing into it what I want to be there. Then that kind of makes me wonder, again, if it had been renewed, would they have found, would they have undone? You know, would they have had Paul sort of resurrect her? Because it is hard to believe that that's the way they want to leave it with the character like with again not just that she dies but that she dies in such a kind of passive pointless way I'd like to think that maybe they would like a little more from the character considering how they'd sort of been writing it up until that point um but we don't yeah. know or maybe not yeah I have no idea so the other thing, the first time I was watching it through, the other thing that I was wondering is if 
we're going to see some kind of power from Anna. Yeah. Because there's, you know, the twin connection and the whole like soul splice mm-hmm. or whatever they call it. Um, transfusion. What is it they call it? Soul something or other. Right, right. Um, that they do there. Like, I, you almost wonder if like there's a two way thing that happens mm-hmm. there of some kind. Um, but nope, no, nothing. It's, you know, Paul opening the Ascension is what does those in. Because like, you could almost see them like, okay, the shipping container opens and there's the fades and like Anna right. takes care of them somehow, you know, like shoots out of her palms instead of Paul, mm-hmm. you know, or whatever. Um, and, and there being some, some kind of like surprise revelation of her power, but no, there's nothing. She doesn't have any power as far as we know. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, like there, it just feels like I'm not even asking for like all of those things. It's like just one of them right. could have been fine. Right. Like just even like Jay struggling a little bit, I would have been happy with. Um, but no, not, none of that. Mm-hmm. None of that happens. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I mean, so, okay. So all of that. And Alice is kind of a weird one too. Cause like, she she's is. just kind of like a tag along angelic. Well, I feel like that's less true in this episode. And I, in fact, I feel like it's a bit um, of a quick transition to go from like the the other angelics who you, there's like what, like four or five of them. Like you kind of know them by sight, but you don't really know. You're lucky if you remember their names and you don't really have a sense yeah. of personalities necessarily. I had to look hers up, by the way. Yes, I did too. <laughs> so then to kind of go from that to like, she's one of the active players in this episode, like trying to be like the other, you know, the the Neil. The Neil. You know, yeah. like she's going to be the, the good angelic who guides Paul to the decisions of, you know, of of light and she uses like she doesn't shoot his family like she got like all these things that's a lot of weight for a character who was a tertiary character at best like i feel like she really gets elevated a lot in this episode um which well but would be sure would be fine except that we have all these other characters who we actually know and maybe would rather spend a little more time with yeah Yes, relatively speaking, she does get elevated. I'll, I'll, I agree with that, but she's still just kind of like, I don't know, like the prissy angelic, sure, you know, to Neil's devil on the other shoulder, sure. right? Like, right? No, and I'm not saying it's the most, <laughs> um, the complex characterization in the world. Like, I still don't um, necessarily have a sense of like who Alice is, what motivates Alice other than she, she's the anti Neil. She, she um, doesn't strike me as a very strong angelic. Sure. Because like, cause, cause like even like, all right. So like she pushes Sarah up against the wall, but Sarah pretty much takes care of her mm-hmm. pretty easily. Right. Like that's other than, you know, that one sort of like act of defiance, like what else does she do? Like she kind of, encourages 
Paul a little bit here and there and tries to like talk him out of going with Neil, but like, I don't know. I just, she just doesn't seem. Well, I mean, I kind of like that she is her persistence in this. The fact that like, I could see doing like having the, the, the good angelic sort of pay lip service to trying to get Paul to do the right thing. And then kind of not really being there. Whereas like, she does kind of doggedly sort of follow him throughout the episode, sort of, you know, even when he's ignoring her, you know, disobeying her, she kind of, you know, it, but I would be more compelled by it if I felt like I knew her character before this point. Like, I think it's, it's a lot to ask of someone who we have to look up her name. Um, right. Like I, I don't dislike her, what she does in the episode, but I would be more compelled by it if I felt like I was invested in her specifically. Um, which I think they would have had to have laid the groundwork for that, you know, a few episodes prior at least. Um, sure. So yeah, I mean, I. I don't have any problems with what she actually does. I just think it doesn't end up meaning all that much, but, mostly because of who it is, you know, telling him to do these things. Well, and that's, I mean, I think we're saying something pretty similar. I, I don't have a problem with what she does. I, she just doesn't do a whole lot. That's all I'm saying. Mm -hmm. It's like, she's just, she's just kind of like there and, offers some advice and some support but like yeah it's just kind of like okay that's fine um so yeah i don't i mean so like they go to the woods and paul tries to like open up the ascension point there again initially seems like he's having some success but then doesn't <laughs> like then it doesn't work mm -hmm. a bunch of birds die um, so he has to like figure something else out. That's when he gets the text from, mm -hmm. um, Neil, you know, showing his mother and sister and girlfriend all tied up. So he goes to meet him. There's a confrontation. Neil shoots Jay in the head. Brief motivation. <laughs> All right, fine. I'll go kill John. Um, they go to the mall to where it all began. Um, no, they go to well, the no, they go to the mayor. The they go to the mayor's first, house, right? Uh, yeah. Sorry, sorry. They go to the mayor's office, and uh, there's like the showdown, and then in talking with John, that's when he realizes, oh, I need to get to the mall. Mm -hmm. There's Mexican standoff. He runs out. Yada, yada, yada. Um, he gets to the mall and realizes, oh, this is what this is the place that's been in my dreams the whole time. My visions. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, so I don't know what, like, there's a fight. So John's there. They kind of fight while Paul tries to open the ascension point. He has to get to higher ground. Runs up the stairs. Sarah shows up, takes the stab. Paul leaps off the balcony and, hey, look, 
Chekhov's wings. I, I was um, going to say, the one thing it did pay off was you you wondered whether the wings would, would have a I role did. to play. I would have... I would have been surprised, really surprised, if they didn't come right, back right. at some point. Because, um, like, that's... I don't know. I mean, it. Yeah, I suppose yeah. they wouldn't have had to, or it could have been, like, season two or something. Right, but, right. like No, um, but there's something, like, once you realize, like, the the mall was this sort of original kind of... The, the ascension point that they're going back to, the kind of full circle point... Um, the idea that like he has to be able to get to a certain height to you know fully open it whatever like that's pretty cool you know yeah no it i i think i like and i'm fine with all that it's just a lot of like running around in action for the most part right sure. like, so it's which um to be fair finales are a lot of the time and i think what it, yeah. What's lacking is not that there's anything wrong with the action. It's that we're missing the... Not that there's anything not wrong. Not that there's anything wrong. Like, it's not badly done finale action. No, I don't I, think. and I don't even mean... I think the, it's... The, right. I Like, skip... Not skipping over it, but just, like, sort of describing it the way I am. I'm, I'm not even saying, like, that I dislike it or anything. It It's all fine. It's just, like, do we need to walk through the paces of, like, okay, then John hits a... Um, Okay, and then he runs through the door, and then John like breaks the window in the door and mm-hmm. reaches through, and like. And it, well, no, yeah, I know. I think what's it's all what's, fine. What's lacking is um, any of the other characters other than Paul, really. Um, you know, I mean, I think Sarah gets some stuff. John gets some stuff. Like, it's not like it's Paul all the time, but it's that kind of ensemble that. I think you miss because um, that yeah. they're the things that like make the story matter. Um, so, and, and I don't want to, um, I don't want to discount Sarah too much. Cause like she does have her back and forth and I'm glad she sort of pulls through for the good side at the end, mm-hmm. you know, like, and you, like, I do like how they play the sort of visions that they both have that, that both, um, Paul and Sarah have in different ways where, where for Paul it's, it's, it's not that the visions are hopeful. It's that, you know, his whole thing of like, if you're going to get it, what's the point of getting a vision if you can't change it. Mm -hmm. Right. Versus Sarah's sort of despair of, you know, this is the vision. This is how it's going to be. And there's nothing you can do that can change it. Mm -hmm. And they're kind of both right. Mm -hmm. But it's, it's like Paul's motivation to go forward that causes the vision which sarah is right about in that like you can't stop it well he literally can't stop it because he's the one causing it right and so like like they're both kind of right but it's her sort of decision at the end to help facilitate it that brings about the opening of Mm -hmm. the ascension and the destruction of all the fades including herself Mm -hmm. Um, also the so the one thing because she mentioned she says something to Neil about him being a fade as much as she is sure. but like he's not right because he doesn't go no. in the end no I so think he, she meant so he's still metaphorically. alive sure right he's been around too long and gone shitty he's gone shitty yeah yeah he right. turned in a bit of a dickhead um as uh, as John says I th- that's how I took it was like yeah like you, well, you, you've, I, you're bitter and 
and you've gone gone bad just like we have um i wasn't entirely sure though because we didn't i mean you know you're right when she says it i think you're allowed to be a little confused as to exactly what she means by that right um yeah in the moment I mean, I also, like with Sarah, I feel like they do a pretty good job of having the conflict and having you really not sure which way she might go in the end. Um, And like having it be not like jerking you back and forth or being inconsistent, but like actually showing that it's a very touch and go, which side of the fence she sort of ends herself on. Um. So, I, I don't know. I feel like they did a pretty good job with that. Because um, a lot of times you kind of have characters, like, be tempted by the dark side, but you're like, well, they're not really going to go there. Um, yeah. And I feel like with Sarah, you you are not sure most of the way through which wh- yeah, where, I, she's, I wasn't where she's going to land. Yeah. I wasn't 100% sure. Yeah. Um, the first time through. So. Yeah. And then I... Second, and, second time through, obviously. I yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then I think that, like, it earns the the relief in the end when she does ascend. And, and the smile and everything. That, like, just the kind of feeling of, like, oh, finally. Like, what... This is what I have been hoping for and wishing for. And, you know, she doesn't have to kind of stay in this turmoil anymore um so i felt like that was a pretty strong ending for her um assuming they wouldn't have found a way to bring her back in the you know Mm -hmm. theoretical second season well right so yeah i don't know how much to speculate about that because like i don't know that there's too much to like i don't think there's a lot of concrete info out there so we can speculate or not i don't know that we have any real data for what their plans would have been right i mean it seems like yeah it's pretty bleak where we leave off it sure Um, is yeah so Paul opens up Ascension and all the fades. I mean, you get the sense that there's two. So we've heard this Ascension thing before. I guess there's a descension as well. There's sort of the implication that there's like two directions to go, right? Because like Mm. you get... You get Sarah, who kind of has, like, the smile and the light and whatever. And then you get John with, like, the sort of burning, right, hellish kind of feel to it. I'm assuming that his isn't exactly an ascension. Sure. But we don't actually... There's nothing to describe what he's doing other than ascending. Like, we don't get a description of what a descension might look like Mm -hmm. other than sort of our own, you know, 
what we may or may not know about hell or whatever, like, and can sort of surmise based on the visual effects. But it, it certainly doesn't seem like the same thing that they both experience the same type of yeah. transformation. <laughs> right. Right. Or at least even if it's the same sort of process because of who they are, their, their experience of it is different. Like yeah, I could see it. Maybe. I could still even see it being what we call ascension, but maybe whether or not you kind of smile and, and, you know, burst into golden light, um, or whether or not you sort of scream in agony while you burn up depends on who you are. Um, sure. Sure. Like I'm thinking, uh, we have our we have our Crimes of Grindelwald uh, movie club coming up soon. I'm thinking of the uh, his sort of ring of fire at the end, where the right. the fire is the same, but depending on the purity of your intention, it either, you know, you feel nothing or you feel a little bit of pain or you burn up. Like, you know, I could see Ascension kind of working like that or, or like you're saying, maybe they're being sent to like two different places. I don't know. But it's all speculative. It is. And something seems to have gone wrong or overcharged or whatever because there's now still all of this ash and smoke sort of spewing from the dare I say hell mouth mm-hmm. <laughs> type thing um, in the mall that seems like a good spot in a mall, for a hell yeah. mouth right um, and yeah and like the sky is simultaneously darkening, but yet also like filled with fire and kind of brimstony, mm-hmm. <laughs> stony kind of. Uh, yes, um, turning red. Yeah, and uh, Paul just sort of weeping at the end with Anna repeating, "Where's Jay? Where's Jay?" Mm-hmm. Um, not how I was predict, how I would have predicted the ending. Sure. Um, I don't, I mean, I don't know how I would have predicted it. I'm I'm sure I would have thought of some kind of cliffhanger, maybe. Yeah. If, assume, assuming that they thought that there would be another season, which I think I was, I, I mean, obviously I knew going into it that only one season had been made, but I think I would have assumed that they wouldn't have planned for only one season, mm-hmm. especially with it being so short and whatever um i don't know that it w- i would have left on quite such a dire cliffhanger mm-hmm. like like maybe a little bit less uh involved cliffhanger you know like if it wasn't for the fact that we get sort of the resolution of the main plot line which is um like this question of whether or not paul can reopen ascension and, and sort of the answer to his visions and everything. Um, it almost feels more like a mid-season cliffhanger finale to me than, I mean, and, and I know like American versus British TV shows can be different lengths and stuff. So maybe the part of it is just that it six feels so short. Um, 
So that could be part of it. But yeah, the fact that it's such a dire cliffhanger and so hopeless and so many of our secondary characters either die or are barely involved at all. Um, yeah. I think that gives it that feeling of like non-resolution. Um, like even more so than, oh, we didn't get renewed for a second season, you know, mm -hmm. like, yeah. So here's my question. A okay. question. Do we know why it was canceled? Like, was there ever an explanation sort of given? I was, I was looking at it and I don't, I think like budgetary stuff like you know if we're looking at our list of things to renew it did not make the cut it doesn't seem like i mean i think i mentioned that it it won some bafta awards it was critically well received um so uh in terms of the creative vision i don't think that it disappointed um So I, I have to assume it was like it, the, the few articles I saw kind of announcing it seemed to just kind of vaguely refer to, um, you know, like budget cuts and those sorts of things. Yeah. Um, you know, maybe shows that are high cost with special effects and production and low on viewership maybe like it didn't the return wasn't worth whatever the investment was something like that sure well, i was just curious but i i haven't i mean i haven't necessarily seen um oh here we go let's look at digital spy here it didn't engage is the uh the subheading um Uh, yeah, an executive. Um, I thought a program like that really was a chance for a channel like the BBC Three to move away from uh, my boob job and me type shows. Interesting choice. Um, I don't know if maybe that was part of the problem. If people don't know that good drama lurks on BBC Three, they're not going to find out about it. So probably like a ratings, like high cost, low ratings. You know, but in that kind of cult classic vein where maybe if they had believed in it a little bit more, it could have found an audience, you know? Sure. Um, yeah. You know, when you cancel things early, they tend not to find an audience. <laughs> like Firefly. Like Firefly. Yeah. Yeah. I was just wondering. Um... So yeah, I, I honestly don't know where to go. And I feel like I don't want to shortchange anything here. Mm -hmm. But I'm also kind of like, like, I feel like we covered the episode. And I don't know that there's much to say about this season as a whole. Sure. Because it's like they leave this cliffhanger here for us to kind of. Mm -hmm. I mean, we could spend the next 20 minutes speculating about what they might have thought to do in the second season but i don't know right. but there's no i don't know that there's like a lot of 
I don't know that people want to listen to us doing that. Sure, sure. <laughs> I don't know that people want to listen to us in general, let alone just talking about stuff we're going to make up. Sure. Um, well, no, and I don't think we need to belabor the point necessarily. Um, I definitely remember being pleasantly surprised when I first watched it by how enjoyable I thought. I, like, I, w- I wasn't not expecting to like it, but just sort of having vaguely heard that it was good kind of, you know, found myself really enjoying it. And then I do remember the frustration of just that it ended at all. But, but in the kind of, not just, I mean, everything ends on a cliffhanger, but they really. Well, sure. Unless like you're going to have a show where like everyone literally dies at the end. Right. Um, but yeah but this is really like cliffhanger (laughs) we're not gonna go there spoilers that's not what happens um what well yes and no um (laughs) we're not gonna talk that's a conversation for another day um for another three years (laughs) um i'm not saying no anyway okay yes the fades um ends on a cliffhanger like every other show. Right. Um, well, no, not every show ends on, but like every like season, I guess, not knowing for sure what the, what the fate is going to be. There's always the risk. Sure. Right? I mean, some, some, I mean, but, I mean, so, it's a, it's a, yeah, the, most, there's some, there should be some, some balance between return and, and sort of satisfaction in with the kind of, what's the the thing driving you forward and 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 it's you can suffer too much going in either direction you know like either not having the kind of thing propelling you forward or not kind of rewarding the viewing and I think this is a case where I think they overdid it on the forward looking like they left maybe too much even the the characters, like, oh, maybe assuming we'll have time for Mac and Anna. Um, and yeah. they didn't really um, right. at all. <laughs> so let that be a lesson to you showrunners and writers out there that develop your characters now. Right, right. Don't, don't wait. Don't wait for some wait. future season. Right, right. Um, um and then, uh, it's it's, yeah. it's rare that a Jane Espenson comes along and lifts your minor characters out of the mire. So right, just right. go ahead and develop them fully right from the start. Right, right. Well, and you're always going to have the minor characters. So, you know, Jane Espenson will have opportunities in future seasons to pick some random, <laughs> you know, extra from the background, you know, to elevate. But don't do that with like your main characters, family members, probably. Um, and your, uh, your main love interest, try, yeah, try to mean, give I'm her not, a couple lines. Um, right. You can, you can do things to round out the character without, you know, necessarily making it another major character. Yeah. Like yeah. there's a difference between minor character and flat character. Sure. Like that, the two don't have to be synonymous. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean... On the other hand, I feel like I've seen a lot of people recently say things like, 
um, even some people I know and whose opinions I respect say things like, um, well, if they're just going to cancel shows, then I'm not ever going to watch a show that's not finished yet. And my counter to that is where's the fun in that? Because part of it is like the risk of, I mean, that's, if you're going to do something serialized that you're not really fully in control of, like if you want to be fully in control, go write a book. But if you're going to make a TV show where you're at the mercy of a network and you have to collaborate with hundreds of people and you don't know how long you're going to have to go and all that other stuff, then I feel like you have to take the risk that you might not get to finish when and how you want to. And that's not a defense of the finale, but like, that's kind of part of the game, I feel like, with this me sure. the, with this medium. And, you know, I, I have to at least a little bit admire the audacity of how bleak they left it and how many cliffhangers they left in this finale. <laughs> like, like, I don't know that it was, in hindsight, a good move, but, like, it wasn't... It wasn't, like, meek. I'll give it that, <laughs> you know? Sure. It really went for sure. it. Sure. That's fair. That's a good way to look at it. Yeah, and I... Yeah, I'm not... I mean, I know you weren't referring to me because I've never made that particular statement. No, Although I, I have made that statement about books. Sure. I'm no longer starting a book series that isn't... Oh, come on. <laughs> I'm I know you are. But um, um, I know you wouldn't make a sweeping statement like that. Um But uh yeah, no, I I I I agree. There is there I mean I'm not at all opposed to the I'm not at all opposed even to cliffhangery series endings like on purpose. Like mm -hmm. like sort of even, you know, if it's planned that way. And it's, you know, fade to black and you don't know right. what like happens. Sopranos you know. kind of ending. Exactly. Like, I'm totally fine with that kind of thing. I'm, I'm okay with bleak endings as well, whether they're cliffhangers or not. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, I, I, think the, I think you're right that there's a certain, um, you know... Uh, I don't know if courage is quite there. Like that makes it sound like more whatever. virtuous than um, it is. No, I yeah. think what really, what really kind of disappoints about the finale isn't the cliffhangers. It's um, the lack of sort of uh, activity and engagement of the majority of the characters. Um, yeah. And I think right. they're, they're good it characters, would feel better and if, I think we want to see more of them, and it's disappointing when we don't get to. It would feel better if, like, everyone had sort of participated in their fullest. Yes. To to their fullest. Yes. In the finale. Yeah. You know, and then we find out that, like, oh, there's this cliffhanger or, or set of cliffhangers, mm -hmm. and it's like, oh, well, that sucks, but at least, you know, we got to see so-and-so do this and so-and-so do that. Right. No, and in some ways, yeah. I think it would make you even more frustrated in, in a good way because it would be 
oh, like, man, they, they ended it just when all this, you know, stuff was happening and, cool you know, stuff was going down. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, and so, yeah, I think I could see the action of it and the Paul stuff almost staying pretty much the same. But if they'd sort of given the other characters more to do, you could mm-hmm. end up feeling completely differently about the whole ending of the show. Um, yeah. Even if it had still been canceled. So yeah, I think it, it all comes down to character in the end. Well, on that note, I say we wrap up the fades. Any final thoughts, any final words? I liked it. I enjoyed it for, for what it was. Uh, try not to be too disappointed that there's not more. Sure. Uh, yeah, I, it was not even on my radar when you suggested it as a show to potentially watch. And, and it turned out to be a perfect show to fit into our sort of yeah. co- cob job, uh, you know, going along with the final season of Angel here. Yeah, when we were looking for British t- less than 10 episodes, perfect. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, no, no final thoughts. Um, I cannot believe that our last Buffyverse episode is imminent and I get to watch it uh, tomorrow, probably, after work. Yeah, all right. So, yeah, you'll watch it tomorrow and we'll talk about it next week and then, whew. We got some thinking to do. Yep. All right. Well, we'll be back. Sounds good. See you then.